Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Free. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time audience. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, the Blue Gold Game, and this week's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament Sweet 16 Action, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. I hope you're having a terrific Tuesday, March the 21st of 2023 it is seven minutes after five o'clock and we've got two hours of sports beat coming your way on this tuesday evening we've got our hat trick of opening topics to get to coming up in just a moment we'll discuss some notre dame football spring practice which begins tomorrow by reminding you about what the wide receiver position looks like for the fighting irish entering the spring We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to in just a little bit. That's all on the 5 o'clock hour. In the 6 o'clock hour, Notre Dame football recruiting news with Mike Singer. Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. We're going to talk about a very important visitor coming to South Bend. Also explain what Pot of Gold is all about. And a couple of legacy got some offers from Notre Dame from the class of 2025, including a guy you probably know his dad pretty well, Jerome Bettis Jr., a wide receiver out of Georgia, got an offer from Notre Dame. And I know Mike has talked to Jerome Bettis Jr. about Notre Dame offering, and Mike's going to talk about that with me coming up at the start of the 6 o'clock hour here on WSBT Radio. We've got our My 5 question of the day in the 6 o'clock hour. The top five off-season storylines involving former Notre Dame football players now in the National Football League. It all centers around 
free agency. And we'll have some sizzler to get to before the end of the program. I let the whole team down last night going 1-3 in my four sports wagering picks. We will hopefully do better with tonight's action. We have a very interesting baseball game tonight. The World Baseball Classic is down to the gold medal game. The defending champion, Team USA, is taking on a terrific Japan team that has not lost so far in the World Baseball Classic. They will meet in Miami tonight at 7 o'clock. And the expectations are that tonight's baseball game will be the most-watched baseball game in television history. You're thinking, oh, come on, there's got to be a Game 7 of the World Series or, my heavens, for those of us not in New York and Boston, it's got to be the Yankees and the Red Sox doing something historically since they play 150 times a year and we see all 150 meetings. But, no, when you factor in Japan, they are crazy for baseball. They are all in on the World Baseball Classic. They're probably going to have 50, 75, 100 million people watching this game than all of us here in the United States. The anticipation is, again, anticipation, this will be the most watched baseball game in television history. And Merrill Kelly is the starting pitcher for Team USA on this monumental occasion. He's actually a pretty good pitcher. You probably don't know about him unless you follow baseball closely. He's an Arizona Diamondback right-handed pitcher who was really, really good for the D-backs last year. So he will start for Team USA, who hammered Cuba in the semifinals on Sunday. Last night, Mexico jumped in front of Japan 3-0. It was 5-4 Mexico in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Japanese team had the winning run at home plate. And I'll tell you in advance, they hit a home run to win it, and here is how it sounded on Japanese television. There was a lot of, oh my gosh, I think, in that particular call on Japanese television. A walk-off. It was actually not a home run, I'm mistaken. It was a walk-off, two RBI base hit that sent Japan into the final, knocking off Mexico. So it is Team USA and Team Japan. No doubt the best two teams in the tournament, and they will meet in the championship game down in Miami tonight. If you're a baseball fan, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's interesting. The Angels, two superstars, are going head-to-head on opposite sides, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The St. Louis Cardinals have Lars Newtbar on Team Japan, and the U.S. team has Adam Wainwright, Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado. So a lot of teammates going toe-to-toe in the matchup tonight. But baseball is a lot of fun to talk about, but we've got a basketball vacancy here in South Bend that we need to take care of. Are we any closer Well, not much news percolating today in regard to the Notre Dame basketball coaching search. If you were with me last night during the 5 o'clock hour, a little bit of news broke from a respected journalist covering Penn State, David Jones, columnist for the Harrisburg Patriot News. He tweeted out yesterday, sources tell him that 
Micah Shrewsbury is currently talking to Notre Dame. Penn State, he believes, has offered their pitch to get him to stay. But Shrewsbury, according to this report, is at least talking to Notre Dame. Now, what does that mean? Are they just discussing the job? Are they deep into conversations? Are we talking money yet? Who knows at this point? But Shrewsbury has been my number one target the whole time. He was the guy I was hoping Notre Dame would at least talk to. And if this report is true, at least right now, they are talking. As a Big Ten fan watching a ton of Big Ten basketball, I am thoroughly impressed with Shrewsbury as a strategy coach. He handles players well, according to people around Penn State. There's a great relationship between coach and player. And I just thought, Against several teams this year, Shrewsbury outcoached the opposition. He had a good veteran team to work with, don't get me wrong, but he used, I thought, their talents extremely well. And as the season went on, they got better and better and ended up making the NCAA tournament before losing to Texas, although Penn State was ahead in the second half against the two seed. Eventually, Texas knocked off Penn State. So I thought a very interesting follow-up today by the person who tweeted that, David Jones, in the Harrisburg Patriot News. He has put out five reasons that Shrewsbury might consider Notre Dame and leave Penn State. So let's go through his thoughts, and I'll add my analysis to what he wrote today. So the first of five things starts with, Back home again in Indiana. Shrewsbury is an Indiana guy. Was born in Jeffersonville, down around the southern tip of Indiana. Moved to Indianapolis. That's where he played his high school basketball. Went to college at Hanover College. You talk about assignments as a coach at Wabash, DePaul, head coach here at IU South Bend in 05 through 07 and spent time under Matt Painter at Purdue and Brad Stevens at Butler. Now we've talked about his time in the NBA with Stevens with the Boston Celtics, but this guy is an Indiana guy from a college coaching standpoint. He knows the Midwest extremely well. I'm sure he could do a great job at Penn State. But this would be more of his meat and potatoes recruiting to this school in this part of the country. So I think if Micah Shrewsbury wants to come back to the state of Indiana, this would be a really good spot. Now, you take a look at Butler. Is Butler a step up over Penn State? I would say... Oddly enough, yes, a slight step up. You leave the Big Ten for the Big East, but I just don't think Penn State's a great overall job. It's a good job, but not a great job. Butler's in between. Notre Dame is in between, but more toward the upper end of that conversation. Matt Painters, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Same for Mike Woodson at Indiana. So this might be the perfect time for Shrewsbury to come back to the Hoosier State. There are four really good jobs in the state. 
two are taken, probably long-term. We'll see how long that model lasts at Butler. But Notre Dame, hey, you've got your chance to honestly build the program from the ground up. It's almost like an expansion team right now with the number of losses on the roster. We'll talk more about that in a couple of moments. But the theme for the first topic, back home again in Indiana, this would be an opportunity if that's important to Shrewsbury to get back to the Hoosier State. Notre Dame would fulfill that need. The second thing that David Jones wrote about from the standpoint of Notre Dame being a better opportunity than Penn State Shrewsbury has never been more valuable than he is right now. And honestly, he may never be this red hot again. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but seeing what he accomplished late in the year, Penn State making that run in the Big Ten tournament, beat Texas A&M in the first round of the tourney, and then had two seed Texas down in the second half. Penn State doesn't exactly have a roster full of four- and five-star prospects on the roster. This guy can coach. As I mentioned, I am thoroughly impressed with his strategy. I like what David Jones wrote. He is an accomplished tactician. Now, this is something none of us know. We have to go by what he's saying, but works well with players. And, yeah, there's no doubt Shrewsbury's kind of a hot ticket Right now, around college basketball, we see individuals get better jobs based on maybe one week of good basketball. The FDU coach left just like that for Iona, replacing Rick Pitino, who is now the head coach at St. John's. Years ago, John Gross had one good week in the tournament and got the Illinois job. That didn't work out very well. He's back in the MAC once again. And you look at Penn State, their roster, we talk about Notre Dame's situation, but he is losing likely five, six, seven main players on his roster. Some are out of eligibility, some might leave. So Penn State's going to be a rebuild. Now, would it be easier to rebuild at Penn State? Then Notre Dame, I think yes, because of the grad transfer situation. It would be a lot easier to get kids in at Penn State. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But again, long term, you got a chance to build something up here in South Bend exactly the way you want it. We're going through some of the things written in an article by David Jones, the person who got this Shrewsbury to Notre Dame conversation started yesterday with his tweet. He had a column today in the Harrisburg Patriot News in regard to five things that might cause Shrewsbury to lean toward Notre Dame if that opportunity arises. Number three, Notre Dame has a refurbished and intimate arena and new practice facility. Of course, Purcell Pavilion years ago was updated, a major improvement over where it was prior to the changes. It took Mike Bray an extremely good amount of time to get his practice facility, but now the men and the women have very nice areas to practice. Both have their own practice court, which is very, very nice. It is well set up. And that is something that Penn State is lacking. They do not have a state-of-the-art 
practice facility. Their basketball arena, I have never been in. I've been outside of it, going to Penn State's hockey arena. It's right across the street. But based on what David was writing, this is just more of an intimate basketball arena than what Penn State has. But again, the practice facility is huge, and that's something Notre Dame has over Penn State. The fourth thing on David Jones' list, I'm curious if people agree with this or not around these parts. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just curious what you think. But he wrote, people care about basketball at Notre Dame more than most football schools. I mean, you look at attendance across the board. It normally takes Duke, North Carolina to fill the place unless Notre Dame is playing really, really good. That doesn't mean there isn't a great following because you don't buy a ticket. So, that was an interesting statement. I hadn't really thought about it. I think the Notre Dame following is pretty good. Unfortunately, normally, the only time we hear from the Irish fan base is when things are going bad. And for the past, what, 20-some years, we've had the fire Mike Bray talk. I hope those people are happy now. Good grief. But he writes, the past 50 years, only 11 losing seasons for Notre Dame basketball. He writes, in his opinion, basketball fans in South Bend expect a winner. They have a hardcore support from the fan base and a good amount of tradition, which there is no doubt Notre Dame across the board in that conversation is far advanced than Penn State. Their basketball following I'm sure people jump on the bandwagon. I would say Penn State hockey might be more popular than Penn State basketball. Now, all I can base that on is attendance. Their hockey arena is jammed every game. They have an amazing student turnout. Next to Michigan, they might be best in terms of student turnout and participation among Big Ten teams. The basketball arena seems too big for the amount of fans they get in there. So there's no doubt Notre Dame follows basketball much more than Penn State does. That could be a factor. And the fifth and final reason, in David Jones' opinion, why Shrewsbury might pick Notre Dame over Penn State, Notre Dame offers Big Ten size budget amid ACC competition. Hey, the money's going to be there. They'll do what they need to do financially. The fact that Allegedly, Shrewsbury is in the competition. That's a sign Notre Dame is willing to give a decent amount of money to the next basketball coach. From what I understand, Shrewsbury makes around $2 million at Penn State. So I would have to imagine Penn State may have to get into a bit of a bidding war with Notre Dame if they want to keep him. I don't think Notre Dame's going to break the bank for Shrewsbury if that's their guy, but they're going to offer a fair wage. I'm curious the difference between the new coach and Marcus Freeman when he got his contract as a first-time head coach, what the difference might be. For Penn State, what advantage do they have over Notre Dame? I mentioned earlier it's an easier destination for a coach and trying to rebuild a program because you can get the transfers in easier. 
What I will say is this. In a strange way, after thinking this through today, you look at the Notre Dame roster and it's not where you want to be as an ACC team. They have a long way to go to become a competitive team once again. But at the same time, I think as a coach, you might like the challenge of building something from the ground up. I mean, this is a team that you almost, almost have to kind of start over because the roster has been shredded apart due to all the players leaving out of eligibility, the Cormac Ryans, the Nate Lashevskys, the Dane Goodwins. J.J. Starling hopped into the transfer portal as soon as he could, and within 24 hours, he had picked Syracuse as his new home. Two of the three players who signed to be a part of the class of 2023 have gotten out of their NILs. Marcus Burton from Penn is the only player, at least as of right now, that is still in the class. And so you've got a group of players right now on the roster that it's going to be tough to win many games next year. You can add what you can in the transfer portal, but you start building. You start building from the ground up with the personnel you want to build the program. You can change the culture of the program by bringing in the individuals you want very, very quickly. You're not going to have many holdovers that might be loyal to Mike Bray and might be grumpy to the new coach. That's not going to happen. So I think there is something unique about the situation where you're starting from the ground floor and you know the administration, Mr. Swarbrick, the associate athletic director for men's basketball, they understand this is going to be a process. This isn't going to be bring in eight grad transfers and you're going to go out and win 25 games next year. It's probably going to take a couple of years to get this thing rolling once again. And he's going to have the ability and the leeway to build this thing the right way. You don't have to worry about NCAA investigations, none of that stuff. It's a clean slate here. You've got to build that roster back up. And I think some coaches would like that opportunity. Do you want an expansion team or do you want a team that has a bunch of high-priced talent on it that hasn't given their all and hasn't fulfilled their promise? You probably don't want that type of team. You'd rather have the team you can kind of build the way you want. And definitely, if it's Micah or somebody else, they will have that opportunity. It's interesting, in the David Jones article in the Harrisburg Patriot News, he did mention one other name. He's hearing buzz about Greg McDermott as someone that might be in the conversation with Notre Dame. He has been the Creighton Blue Jays head coach for a decade, and in David Jones's words, he might be looking for a fresh start. Kind of like the Providence coach leaving to take over at Georgetown, just wanting a fresh start. So we'll throw McDermott's name out there as a possibility. So there you go. That's our first of three. Hat trick of opening topics, just comparing Notre Dame and Penn State and talking a little bit more about a possible candidate in Micah Shrewsbury. 528 at WSBT, our second hat trick of opening topics. Just spend a moment on Purdue and Indiana. The guard play was not good enough 
for the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers in the NCAA tournament. Well documented, Purdue ousted in the round of 64 by the 16 seed. Fairleigh Dickinson, 63-58. Indiana lost in the round of 32 to Miami, 85-69. Ironic that the Miami women, a nine seed, ousted the top-seeded Indiana women last night down in Bloomington, 70-68. You know, Purdue season could have been a lot different. A couple of more high-end guards that Matt Painter wanted didn't work out for whatever reason. They still got good minutes all year from Brendan Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, but late in the season, the quality of play across the board diminished. In the loss to FDU, Smith and Lawyer combined for 10 turnovers. The point guard, Smith, had seven. But it came down to the Boilermakers' inability to hit shots from the three-point line, five of 26. They didn't get the ball. To their big guy enough, Zach Eady. I know he was double teamed a lot, but there were times that he should have been given the basketball, and that's on the guards not making, at times, the right decision. You look at Indiana, a guy that could be an NBA draft pick, draft lottery pick, I should say, Jalen Huchifino, kind of played like a freshman in the first half. Wasn't very good. He needed 22 field goal attempts to score 19 points. That is not efficient. But that is a high-end guard. That's what teams in the Big Ten need more of. We have too many one-dimensional players in the league. You need more dynamic players, players that can put the ball on the deck, hit the three-point shot. The league is so built around physical play, I felt like this for a couple of years. Get away from the physical nature. Spread the floor. Get up with the times. Play like other teams do. Don't rely on physical play. The Big Ten beats each other up. The officials have to call it differently because of how physical it is. You get to the tournament, and it always seems like the Big Ten has to adjust to the officiating. It's not the officiating's fault. I would like to see the Big Ten get away from some of the more physical play. And for me, we had this Twitter question of the day about two weeks ago. Who would you rather have, Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis? And it took me a half a second to say Trace Jackson Davis. I want the more athletic player that can hurt you in different ways. Eady is a unicorn. And if you want that style of basketball, hey, that's great. Might be the national player of the year. There is nothing wrong with taking Eady. I just want the more athletic player that can do more damage look at tjd his ability to pass the basketball put it on the floor work around the paint just a multi-dimensional player at times it's easier to get him the basketball as purdue i guess found out with Edie in the fdu game again there's nothing wrong with having zach Edie on your roster i'm not saying i don't want him i just want the more athletic guy and as an illinois fan i love kofi coburn but He slowed down the offense. He was not good against the pick and roll because he was big, which was great, but he was not fast. And the pick and roll cost Illinois against Loyola Chicago and Houston in back-to-back years in the round of 32 because they could not defend the pick and roll with a seven-foot guy that doesn't move very well. TJD can help guard the ball screen so much better because of his athleticism. 
But the guard play is going to have to get better for these two teams. It sounds like Purdue might have a couple of guys coming in that can help. Shafino, let's see if he stays for Indiana. I mean, Trey Galloway, Miller, Cop. Cop's a three-point shooter. Galloway's kind of a glue guy. I just think you're going to have to improve spots around that Indiana backcourt. They just got beat so badly off the dribble against Miami. Hurricanes fell in love with a three-point shot for about three minutes in the second half. Then they got back to doing their thing. I just thought the Indiana guards looked stale in that ballgame. Got to be able to play on both ends of the floor, and Indiana could not defend Miami. So I would like to see the Big Ten get away from the physical nature, spread the floor, get more athletic, get more shooting guards in the Big Ten. Yeah, I want guys that can get to the basket, but Big Ten team just got to shoot it better. Just feels like we're seeing so many games with so many missed shots. I mean, you look at Illinois, they took the most shots from the three-point line of the Big Ten, and they were last in the conference in three-point field goal percentage. A, that's very poor basketball IQ, and B, is someone on the coaching staff in their ear constantly about that? You would think. You would think anyway, but apparently not. All right, finally, our third and final hat trick of opening topic. I just want to salute a guy we talked about a second ago, Penn High School's Marcus Burton. His high school basketball career came to a close along with a terrific senior class at Penn in the semi-state title game in Michigan City Saturday night, losing to Kokomo 58-57. Burton ends his career with the most points in St. Joe County history, 2,273 points. I think in this area he has got the second most points in northern Indiana. 20th all-time in the state of Indiana basketball history. Again, a dynamic score. Such a terrific ball handler. He's got the moves off the dribble to get himself open. One of those players that can hit the three-point shot. He can pull up off the dribble and knock down a jump shot. He can get to the bucket. Really outstanding in transition. When I talked about Burton a couple of weeks ago, you know, the one thing I thought, the transition to Notre Dame or wherever he plays, it's going to be on the defensive end. He's got the foot quickness. He gets a little handsy, gets into foul trouble by using his hands a little too much. Once you get him using his feet, I think he's going to be a really good defender at the next level. What a job by Penn, by the way, in that semi-state semifinal, crushing third-ranked Hammond Central 108-70. to I predicted they would win by double digits. I didn't predict by 38. I'll admit that. I thought they would win easily, but by 38, that was a demolition job by the Kingsmen, but they come up one point short, losing to Kokomo 58-57. So Kokomo and Ben Davis for the 4A state title, but I want to recognize Marcus Burton, an amazing high school basketball career, 2000. 273 points. It is going to take one heck of a player to top that number. That's our hat trick of opening topics. It is 536 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Spring practice for the Irish football team. 
starts tomorrow. We'll talk about the wide receiver position coming up in a moment. Mike Singer from Blue and Gold talks Notre Dame football recruiting at 6.05. All coming up on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program. As we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com. Also on our free WSBT radio app. And the Twitch app has a video stream of the studio. You can listen to the program that way as well. John Rothstein. Longtime CBS Sports college basketball insider tweeted this out just a few moments ago, and it backs up what David Jones from the Harrisburg Patriot News tweeted out yesterday. Rothstein says in a tweet, sources, colon, Penn State's Micah Shrewsbury has emerged as a primary candidate for the head coaching vacancy at the University of Notre Dame. Rothstein goes on to say Shrewsbury is also expected to receive a lucrative long-term offer to remain with the Nittany Lions. Well, Shrewsbury is in a terrific position right now. Hot coach coming off a great late-season run, well-respected in the industry, experience as a college basketball head coach and assistant coach. He's got a little bit of the NBA in him with his time as an assistant coach with the Boston Celtics. He's got an intriguing resume. He's at a non-basketball school right now with very little basketball tradition. The fanfare there is not great. You come to Notre Dame, you got a chance to Compete in the ACC, rebuild this Irish basketball program, and maybe make a few more bucks along the way, but also, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but if he wants to come home to the state of Indiana, this is a wonderful opportunity to do so. Who knows if Indiana and Purdue's job will open up anytime soon or if he would be a candidate. Butler, it's still a really good job, but this is, I think, The best opportunity over the next few years, if he wants to come back to the Hoosier State, this would be the job at Notre Dame. So we now have a couple of sources referencing that Shrewsbury has emerged as a primary candidate for the head coaching vacancy at Notre Dame. I've noticed in the Rothstein reply grouping to that particular tweet, a lot of Creighton Blue Jay fans are very happy because There's been some speculation that Creighton head coach Greg McDermott might be a candidate for the Notre Dame basketball job. Now, I don't know if it's mutual. If one side is more interested than the other, I've got no idea. But McDermott's name has been kicked around a little bit. And based on the Blue Jay fans' reaction to that tweet, they're they're pretty happy about the fact that Shrewsbury is the leading candidate and not Their head coach, who I have a lot of respect for, he's done some really good things. Ed Creighton had his son there for a couple of years. They made some NCAA tournament runs, and Creighton right now getting ready 
for a Sweet 16 matchup against the Princeton Tigers, so a chance for the Blue Jays to get to the Elite Eight. But I just want to point that out. John Rothstein, an insider in college basketball for CBS Sports, he is also now reporting that Shrewsbury has emerged as a primary candidate for the head coaching vacancy at Notre Dame, but he also says that Shrewsbury is expected to receive a lucrative long-term offer to remain with the Nittany Lions. Heck, who knows? Penn State could offer more money, more years. But if he wants to come back to Indiana, that might be enough for him. We shall see. But it feels like we're getting a little closer now to finding out who Mike Bray's replacement is going to be. And we found out yesterday Mike Bray has already interviewed for the South Florida job, a job where he can move to Florida, be around his son, his family down there. So that's a cool opportunity if that comes about. For Mike Bray, I think it'd be a big win for college basketball if he's coaching. If he doesn't, I hope he gets into some TV because I think he would do a terrific job either in studio or on site as an analyst. So we'll continue to follow this Micah Shrewsbury story, but it's good to see John Rostein from CBS Sports is now in on the reporting that Shrewsbury is a primary candidate for the head coaching vacancy at the University of of Notre Dame. We're gonna win. Don't wanna be a loser, gonna win. The man in the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Esme, leaps into the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch by Jaden Thomas! Hands off to Diggs, there he goes! 20, 15, 10, touchdown Notre Dame! All right, there's a little hype music for you to get you set for the start of Notre Dame football spring practice. The Fighting Irish take the field tomorrow for the first time here in 2023 to get set for the upcoming season, which begins across the pond against the United States Naval Academy. As always, every Fighting Irish football game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm looking forward to once again having the call of the Notre Dame Blue Goal game, which is coming up on Saturday, April the 22nd. I don't care, regular season game, bowl game, blue and gold game, to have a microphone in front of your mouth talking about football players with gold helmets running around at Notre Dame Stadium right in front of Touchdown Jesus. That is pretty doggone cool. Look forward to that opportunity each and every year. So we'll have that for you coming up on Saturday, April the 22nd, here on WSBT Radio. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the wide receiver position develop in the spring and also in the fall. You have an extremely talented, high-end recruiting class that is here, ready to go as early enrollees. We'll talk about them in a couple of moments. But you take a look at the returnees right now, on this Fighting Irish roster, there are some familiar names back ready to go once again. And I would say these individuals are battling for a starting position and playing time, in particular if some of the young guns come along quicker than, I don't know if we should say we anticipate or the coaches anticipate, but I think we're kind of numb to the fact that freshman wide receivers around these parts have not gotten on the field very quickly. But this is a new batch of players, new offensive coordinator, and I'm sure, let's say this, 
if they are earning playing time, they're going to play. Just like in the past, if some of these individuals would have earned more playing time, they'd have been out there. You're not going to hold somebody back. But you look at the returnees, and I'll just throw out five names to start off the conversation. Lorenzo Styles, Jalen Thomas, Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather, Matt Salerno. Styles is, I think, the player to watch from that group. I guess I'm as much at fault as anyone. I spent the last offseason talking about how Lorenzo Styles is going to be the number one wide receiver on this football team, not the number one target. That was always going to be Michael Mayer. But I thought Styles would have a breakout season based on the way he ended the previous year, including in the Fiesta Bowl when he went over 100 receiving yards and had a touchdown playing in the slot. I thought this was going to be a wild season for Styles. Now, to be fair to the wide receiver group, did they play consistent football across the board? No, but let's also keep in mind the quarterback position was, I was going to say in flux, but that's not fair. It was a position that also featured inconsistencies in a lot of areas, which didn't help the wide receiver group. It's not all on the quarterback. There were inconsistencies with the wide receiver group, but you did not have what I would call the perfect situation at the quarterback position last year with Buckner going down with the injury, Drew Pine taking over. Not exactly the formula to get back to the college football playoff. But now you got Sam Hartman throwing to these guys. And they better be consistent in everything they do because this is a guy that can get them the football. Styles, is this going to be his bounce-back moment? He has every opportunity again to be the top guy on this team. With Michael Mayer gone, he's got a chance to be the number one target overall. Is it in his DNA to get the job done? Last year, 30 catches, 340 yards, and a touchdown. I think he had a third of 340 receiving yards in the Fiesta Bowl to end the previous year. So a head-scratching year for Styles. There were some drops along the way. The potential is there. High-end player capabilities, but we can't continue to say that. We've got to see now action on the field consistently. And he's still a young guy. He's only a junior, and I would not be shocked if he doesn't flourish When you got a guy like Sam Hartman throwing you the football, you get open, he's going to get you the pigskin. So I am still believing that Styles is the type of player that can be a high-end performer on this football team. Didn't work out last year. Let's see with another year under his belt, another year with Chancey Stuckey as wide receiver coach and a new quarterback, if that makes a major difference. You got the big guy, Thomas, 25 catches, 361 yards, three touchdowns. Colsey, Merriweather. You know, Merriweather had one catch. It was a touchdown from 41 yards. He's got to be better in lining up the right way, route running. He has so much potential for this football team. The transfer portal, you add in Kevin Smith, 6'3", 190 pounds from Virginia Tech. There are now two Smiths on this football team at wide receiver. And... 37 catches, 674 yards, and three touchdowns. And Smith is the type of player that could be an immediate impact guy for this football team. 
In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not a starter on this football team. He has the capabilities. And if I said Kevin Smith, which I think I did, I had baseball in my mind. Caleb Smith is his name from Virginia Tech. And at Virginia Tech last year, Caleb had 37 catches for 674 yards and three touchdowns. So another tall receiver that can be a factor on the outside. Then you got that freshman class coming in, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores Jr., Braylon Smith, and another Caleb Smith. This is the high school player. The more acclaimed coming out of high school, Greathouse, Flores, and James. I know talking to Tyler Horka, Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, even listening to the coaches, it seems like Greathouse and Flores have the best opportunity to get playing time at some point this year. Two big targets. Great House is a guy that's talked about, hey, I, I came here to score touchdowns. That's what they want me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. So the Texas kid seems like he's got a lot of confidence. And, hey, let's face it, for these freshmen, if they perform well in front of the coaches, if they do what they need to do, there is nothing holding them back from getting playing time this year. Yeah, you've got a lot of veteran guys that probably will have the first shot, as they should. But if you do what you're supposed to do, there is no reason why, despite I know the frustrations of fans, this guy didn't get on the field, that guy didn't get on the field. Hey, they've got an opportunity to impact this offense. And man, oh man, what a way to start your college career. You get Sam Hartman throwing you the football, a guy that was Wake Forest football for the last five years, a terrific Deliver of the football, love his ability to get the ball down the field. So there are going to be some big plays in this Fighting Irish offense. If the offensive line holds up and the wide receivers get down the field, find those seams, hey, sky's the limit for this offense with their ability to throw the football. And they should be able to run it, right, which only helps this wide receiving course. So a lot of interesting names to follow in spring practice, some of the the guys we know, Styles and Thomas, but then Great House, Flores, even a guy like Merriweather, second go-around in South Bend. A lot of anticipation what they can do, but Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech, let's keep an eye on him. This is a guy that could come right in and do some very good things for this football team. 556 spring practice starts tomorrow. Marcus Freeman meets the media as well. We'll take a timeout, 556 Sports Update coming up in a couple of moments. We've got our Twitter question of the day to get to. Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting, including Jerome Bennis Jr. getting a pot of gold offer. Mike has all the details coming up as Sportsbeat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch, as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Well, Mike and I are having this conversation the day before spring practice gets underway for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. But even with spring practice this week, Late last week was a very busy time for the Notre Dame football coaching staff as it was, I guess, pot of gold day for Notre Dame. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. 
But Mike and I are talking right now on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. Also, a video feed of this conversation is available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Let's start with a very intriguing visit, Mike, that you have documented at blueandgold.com and also on your Twitter account that one of the premier defensive linemen in the country is coming to South Bend after all. We've talked about in, in recent months, Justin Scott's got to be number one. I mean, we, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about him um, since the turn of, uh, the, the, you know, the calendar year. And um, is he visiting? Is he committing? What's the deal? You know, it, it didn't work out for Notre Dame that he was going to commit at the end of the month of January, and that didn't work out and push things back. And then he's talking about Georgia and all these other schools. Well, Notre Dame's still very much in the mix and will be hosting this five-star defensive lineman from Chicago St. Ignatius this Saturday. So that's absolutely huge, Darren, to get him uh, on campus. He's So you, you would hope he comes on campus. He, he It's his first time since July, falls in love with it, and then commits. Uh, you know, might not be uh, the case. He, he's already talking about official visits. Never say never. Who knows? But he's already talking about official visits um, that he'll be taking in June. So it looks like, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Georgia, um, you know, maybe Michigan. Like, those are some of the, the key schools battling. I know Miami is targeting them heavy. So, um, yeah, Darren, it, it, it's definitely good for the Fighting Irish to have this five-star elite talent from their backyard uh, back up on campus this weekend. For fans that don't know about Justin Scott, I know Mike just mentioned the list of schools that are going after him. That tells you how good he is. But if you turn on the tape of him – his speed coming from the interior of the defensive line, his physicality, Mike, he looks like a college football player right now, and he's still in high school. I mean, yeah, he's, he's at 6'5", 310 pounds, and uh, he is, he's also really good as an offensive lineman that <laughs> you can see on his tape. But, yeah, his combination of just pure athleticism, he's also a really good basketball player. Um, you know, the athleticism is, is quickness. That with his strength and size, that's what makes him a five-star talent. And you know, every school out there wants him. So yeah, I mean, you got a kid in Chicago at a school called Saint Ignatius. <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta, you know, I don't like saying, "Oh, this kid is a must-get," because if Notre Dame doesn't get him, is their program falling apart? Like, I, 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 I need, you know, that's a little, you know, it's a little much, but. With that being said, this is a kid that Notre Dame, um, for lack of a better term, needs to get. He's a luxury. I don't know about luxury, but, I mean, <laughs> he, he, if you want to win a national championship, yeah. I mean, this is the kind of guy you need, right? I mean, you, you need to have a good quarterback, protect your quarterback, and go get the other team's quarterback. This guy will go get the other team's quarterback. And it's hard to find those guys as interior pass rushers as good as him. And, uh, yeah, so he, he could definitely be a good one. And, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't work out, which it, it, which it would, he's a really good offensive lineman too. Well, I know you don't recruit to make people happy on message boards, but today I was reading the Blue and Gold article talking about the defensive line going into spring practice. Then I went to the message board and watched people write about their thoughts about the defensive line. It kind of feels like fans need a little boost with defensive line recruiting, and this would definitely take care of that little little issue that some people have right now with the defensive line. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at 
Like Al Washington is is not you know the, the most popular figure on the Notre Dame coaching staff with the fan base, at least the you know the, the vocal ones that you sure. know I, I interact with. But I mean, you look at last year's class. Sure, they didn't get Keon Keeley, but I mean, it's 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 a loaded guy. All top three hundred prospects. Like how many times has Notre Dame signed four defensive linemen ranked in the top three hundred? And the Mike Elson era, I mean, he did really well, but it was a lot of you know, take they a flyer them. on some high projects, guys. Uh, he, he definitely developed a lot of them, but you also had like Alexander Ehrensberger sprinkled in there, you know? So I think that, I mean, that 2023 defensive line class was really strong there and um, for, for, you know, at Washington and it's, it's off to a pretty decent start in 2024. And Scott obviously yeah. would uh, be the crown jewel of that. Okay. Let's go to pot of gold first for, Irish fans that don't follow recruiting closely, what exactly is Pot of Gold? What is the goal of the coaching staff? Yeah, it's really just a big excitement day for the 2025 recruiting class. Well, I say 20, it was 25 for this year. It's always the sophomore class. The last year it had been 2024, and, uh, and the year before it was the first one for, for 23. So I put the over-under at new offers for Notre Dame to send out at 65. Wow. Darren... I mean, I had a decent idea of who they're going to offer, but there was always, oh, they didn't end up offering this guy, which there was a few of them thought they were going to, and they didn't. And then there's a couple that they did offer who we weren't expecting. Ended up offering 65. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the bat. Vegas might be calling me here soon. But so, yeah, it's a, it's a day. It's, it falls on St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame just works the phones like crazy. They're offering a bunch of new guys. Uh, they're getting in contact with their other top 2025 targets. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it, it has like a mini signing day feel to it. Notre Dame has this built-in holiday of St. Patrick's day and they definitely, are, you know, have been using it to their advantage. Just a quick takeaway, uh, you know, a, a pot of gold day, Darren, I would say it's the quarterbacks. When you offer four quarterbacks wow. in one day, it's definitely notable. And I do want to say some of the kids I talked to, they picked up, you know, like the Notre Dame staff told them about the offer days ago if not months ago you know weeks ago like so they say hey we're offering you but can you post it on pot of gold day like because they explain the the significance of it um so george mcintyre uh, nephew of florida international head coach mike mcintyre he told me he got the offer from notre dame and I, I think it was january february but you know they talked about pot of gold and hey this is this one of you announced it because i mean there's no way notre dame can offer you know, get on the call with 60 70 kids in a single day like you just can't there's no way you're going to do that so yeah offered cutter bully from uh kentucky he's visiting notre dame soon george mcintyre's supposed to be visiting in a couple weeks um you have kj lacy from saraland uh in alabama he's 5'11 165 pounds but oh my gosh this kid's got a rocket for an arm and moves very well just a twitchy athlete and deuce knight he's got knight 6'4 uh, George McIntyre, 6'5". Cutter Bully, 6'5". Wow. I mean, you've you got these big, strong quarterbacks that Gino Dooley and, and company are going after. Lacey is is just a special talent. Uh, yeah, again, he, he's not that tall, but just kind of a freak show of an athlete. Uh, and, and Bryce Underwood, the number three quarterback – excuse me, the number three overall player, number one quarterback per this early 2025 on-three industry ranking – Notre Dame offered him a while back, but they were in contact with him on St. Patrick's Day for Pot of Gold. So, uh, yeah, Darren, I, that was kind of the takeaway for me. 
you know, offering these quarterbacks, and I interviewed most of them, um, and we'll have stories of blue and gold this week. Um, and just looking at last year's pot of gold, Darren, there was a few guys who got their offer from the Irish who ended up committing to Notre Dame. So we'll look back in several months from now and be like, all right, look at all these guys went out committing to Notre Dame who got offered a pot of gold day. Mike, I'm wondering, is that a change in philosophy in they've got that many quarterback offers out so soon? Is that a little different than in past years under a different coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the 24 cycle, now I know Carr committed so early, that kind of changed that, sure. the, the trajectory. But only five quarterback offers out last year. Um, and Notre cycle. Dame has seven in the whole cycle. Okay. Notre Dame only has seven, has seven out right now. Two of those I don't expect them to be really involved with moving forward in Antoine Hill and Ryan Montgomery. You had 10 in the 2023 class. They definitely – uh, that whole 2023 quarterback cycle, I, I might be able to write a book on that, you know, <laughs> at some point. So it just kind of depends on how late in the process you need to go. It was 10 last year because, you know, you didn't get Kenny Minchie late, so you had to keep cycling through guys. In 2022, it was six quarterbacks. That one was a mess because I had Steve Angeli early, and then I still have no idea what they ended up doing because they wanted maybe a second quarterback in the class. Uh but yeah, they ended up with just one. 2021, six quarterback offers. 2020, just the one with uh, with Drew Pine. So, yeah, it, it just kind of depends, Darren. It, you know how early they'll be able to get their quarterback. But I would say seven at this stage, with five that they're actively targeting. I would say that's probably more than uh, we're used to seeing. Hmm. One offer in the Pine cycle. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. That's. Very I do want to say there's another one, but it's just not listed here. But, yes, uh, I think so. Two, two at the max. Okay. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me, Darren Pritchett on Sportsbeat and also the video feed on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. So we've talked a little bit about Pot of Gold. I'm always interested in legacies offered in a cycle. What about last week with the Pot of Gold, those 65 offers? Did we have a couple of legacy offers? Yeah, and there's – I mean, Notre Dame's really active recruiting these legacies. You have in the 2024 cycle, Bryant Young's son, Bryce Young, who's a, an impressive pass rusher, Emmett Mosley um, and Cindy Mosley's son. Cindy Mosley was a big-time soccer player at Notre Dame, um, and uh, Emmett Mosley was a running back to the Irish. So their son, Emmett Mosley, was either fourth or the fifth. Um, you know, a big receiver target for the Irish in the 24 cycle. Uh, and then Notre Dame dishing out offers to a couple of 2025 recruits or legacies. Jerome Bettis Jr., Darren, just guess who his father is. Barry Sanders. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Barry Sanders. How about a, how about a different uh, you know, superstar running back? Yes, Jerome Bettis oh, cool. Sr., his father, recent graduate of Notre Dame, might I add. So his son, 6'3", 185 pounds, uh, wide receiver prospect out of, Woodward Academy in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I mean, I talked to him and did a story at Blue and Gold on him. You can find it. I posted it on Monday afternoon. You can find it on our site. Very impressive young man to talk to. I would think that he'll probably end up at Notre Dame if that's kind of, you know, uh, if it, look, if Notre Dame is going to recruit this kid hard and they're going to put it from the class, it's hard for me not to see Jerome Bettis Jr. ending up at Notre Dame. Basically, the vibe I got from Bettis, so – Darren, any time I talk to a legacy kid for Notre Dame, I'm always like, all right, 
what's your what's your pop saying or or what's your mom saying if if it's the mom side that's legacy are they pushing you and oftentimes it's no they want me to go through my own thing but for the elder bettis it was more of oh he wants it's on a Notre Dame, really? but he's, he's not going to push it. He's not going to push it. He wants, but he's absolutely going to present all of the facts about Notre Dame. Like he is going, and he has for a year, like, Hey, this is, this is why Notre Dame is so amazing. So he's not just going to sit back and say, all right, son, <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you about Notre Dame. You can figure it out by yourself. No, uh, I think he is not, maybe not recruiting his son, but kind of, Kind of there. Nice. And the other is uh, James Flanagan. Now, his father, Jim Flanagan, was a defensive tackle for Notre Dame from 90 to 93. Overlapped with Betta Sr. for three years. So I think that's kind of interesting. Jim Flanagan, third-round pick um, of the Bears in 94. Played in the NFL for 10 seasons. 46 sacks. Even won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2000. So between, you know, Bryant Young. Emmett Mosley, Jim Flanagan, Jerome Bettis, some really good Notre Dame legacy, you know, excuse me, former Notre Dame players and the Irish recruiting their sons. Pretty cool. Hmm. I noticed Flanagan's from Wisconsin, so no doubt yep. the Badgers will be someone they'll have to contend with, but that's pretty cool growing yeah. up in Green Bay. Tight end recruit, by the way, for, for radio audience. James Flanagan, tight end recruits. Um, yeah, Notre Dame ended that Wisconsin drought with, in Billy Strauss' class. Huh? I talked about that so much on your show, Darren. It took Notre Dame 20 years from it was from 2002 to 2022 for Notre Dame to sign a player from Wisconsin. Now maybe they'll get two and three years, or, or excuse me, it would be two and yes, two, two and four years maybe. Hey, that wouldn't be too bad. And he's six six. Am I reading that right? Six six two twenty. Big wow. kid. Big boy. Big boy. All right, let's move to spring practice. Last week I asked you for an offensive player or two from the early enrollee group to watch out for in spring practice. So let's go to the defensive side of the football, a player or two early enrollee that we should keep an eye on. Yeah, as I was thinking about this, Darren, I was going to the linebackers, and man, it just feels like there's been the same linebacker starting at Notre Dame forever. You know, you you're, see your Bertrand, your Kaiser, your Leaf. I, I just feel like they have been on the field forever. And maybe – if, like, is Drew White still on this team? It feels like he's been at Notre Dame for 18 years, too. But I just, like, solid linebackers. But it's, to me, it just feels like there could be another to make the jump into the, you know, the linebacker rotation. And the leader of the 2023 class for Notre Dame, oh, I think all eyes are going to be on Drake Bowen. Um, you know, He's playing baseball, I think. Is he even doing spring football now that I mention him? I don't know. But if if Drake Bowen's in spring ball, my eyes are on Drake Bowen. But as I'm saying this, now I'm thinking, wait, isn't isn't he playing baseball? So better question maybe for Patrick Engel. But if Drake Bowen's playing, all eyes for, will be on him. Christian Gray, though, Darren, I mean, the early and early corner, I mean, you, you've got to think Ben Morrison's kind of got one of those spots locked yep. down. But what about – Another corner spot. He's got the twitchiness to play nickel, too. So you have Tariq Bracey. He's gone. Um, Thomas Harper, you bring in from Oklahoma State. He can play safety or nickel. I think Gray could play nickel. He'd be a I mean, tremendous one with his twitchiness and his size. But he can play boundary or field corner. 
I mean, you have Clarence Lewis uh, and, and Cam Hart, but you also have Christian Gray. He can play safety. Like, Gray is just one fantastic athlete, smart smart kid, great experience at St. Louis to Smet. He's been coached up really well. Definitely one to watch for me. Bowen just seems like a Notre Dame football player. There should be snow in the air. The, the ground should be a little frosted and frozen. That just feels like the type of player is. He should have played in that snow game that – Reggie Brooks had the famous play in. Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering uh, what his availability is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what's his deal? I don't, I don't, I don't There's remember. There's always been a great relationship between the baseball and the football program. It's always worked out every year, so that's a positive. All right, so we're on the eve of spring practice as we have this conversation, and Blue and Gold Illustrated has so much going on right now. In fact, I know Tyler Hork is covering football and women's basketball, and you've got the recruiting coverage still with all those pot of gold stories that are posted and probably still more to come. Many more to come. So, yeah, definitely go over to uh, blueandgold.com and check that out. Between uh, yeah, all the recruiting, have a huge recruiting weekend this weekend, Darren. We'll, we'll recap that next week. Um, but with that – um, spring football coverage, just and, and everything in between. Bloomandgold.com is definitely the place to be. So please do head over to the site. Um, banter with other Notre Dame fans on our loose emoji message board. We'd definitely love to have you. See, after they listen to this segment, they can go on the message board and straighten people out. Absolutely. I mean, what else? What else is just there to do? Quote Mike Singer, what he said. There you go. Probably starts more arguments, right? <laughs> and we'll settle a whole bunch as well. All right. Good to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy uh, spring practice, and we will talk to you next week. All right, likewise. Take care, Darren. Thank you. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Again, you can always watch our video conversation on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. We will take a timeout. More Budweiser's weekday sports feed is coming up next on your home of the Blue Gold Game, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Tonight's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop where new beginnings have happy endings. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, yesterday's Twitter question of the day was in regard to Purdue Boilermaker basketball. On my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat, I asked Purdue men's basketball coach Matt Painter has lost to a 13 seed or worse three times in his career, including Friday's loss to the 16 seed FDU. Fans saying Painters should be on the hot seat for his tournament failures are fill in the blank. I gave you three choices. 
They're being ridiculous. They are correct. Or they are a little too soon with that thought. So let's recap the voting. It was a very tight vote. A lot of different opinions on Matt Painter. Coming in third place, getting 27.3% of the vote. Fans saying Matt Painter should be on the hot seat for his tournament failures are a little too soon with that thought. Second place in the voting with a hefty 33.8%. Fans saying Painter should be on the hot seat for his tournament failures are correct. 33.8% believe Painter should be on the hot seat for the lack of success in beating those poorly seated teams. And winning the vote, 39%. Fans saying Painter should be on the hot seat for his tournament failures are being ridiculous. I'm in that category. Painter being on the hot seat is ridiculous. He does what he needs to do during the regular season to put his team in position to have success in the tournament. Unfortunately, they have not played their best in some spotlight moments. And losing to the 15-seed St. Peter's last year and the 16-seed FDU this year. There were a lot of things that happened in that game that were not Matt Painter's fault. Can we make this argument? It is well-documented, FDU, with their small guys, surrounded 7-4 Zach Eady, making it, at times, harder to get him the basketball. But what happens when you take two of your defensive players and put them in the low block against a guy like Zach Eady? There is someone always open on the perimeter or somewhere on the floor. Matt Painter can't shoot the ball for those players. Five for 26 from three. They had open looks throughout the game, and the player open missed the shot. That's not Matt Painter's fault. He can't shoot it for him. He even joked about being not the greatest shooter back in the day. So I know the head coach is going to take a lot of the scrutiny, I don't think he had a poor game plan. The one thing you can argue, players have to do their jobs, but Zach Eady getting one field goal attempt in the last 12 minutes is not acceptable. But it's, from my standpoint, ridiculous to put Painter on the hot seat. He is as good of a coach as there is across the country. Outside of Tom Izzo, I think Matt Painter's the second best coach in the Big Ten. I think Micah Shrewsbury of Penn State is right there battling for the number three spot. Not so much I think of him, and that's why I'm excited that allegedly Notre Dame and Shrewsbury are talking. Even John Rostein from CBS Sports tweeted out a little bit ago that Shrewsbury has emerged as a leading candidate for the Notre Dame job. I hope he's right. We thank you for voting on yesterday's question. Today's question was posted this afternoon on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. The question today is this. If Notre Dame basketball hired Penn State's Micah Shrewsbury as their new coach, 
your reaction would be what? Your four choices. Home run higher. Solid higher. Disappointed. Or wait and see. If the Irish hired Micah Shrewsbury as their new basketball coach, what would your reaction be? We'd love for you to vote. Either home run higher, solid higher, disappointed, or wait and see. You can vote now, tonight, tomorrow on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed, and we'll come back tomorrow and recap the voting. 638 on your home of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, which resumes on our airwaves Thursday night at 6 o'clock, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. And away we go. Sports Beat continues. Five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. How many years have I done this show? I know the sound effects. I should know the guy's going to talk. Sorry. I'll stay out of the way next time. Well, I'm ready to go with the My Five Question of the Day. One question, five answers. Today we focus on former Notre Dame football players now in the National Football League. Today's question, the top five off-season storylines involving former Notre Dame football players now in the National Football League. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with the former Irish players who have yet to find a new home, and there is a good number of players looking for a new NFL destination. Former Irish players that are still free agents as of right now include a guy that was let go by the Chicago Bears offensive lineman, Sam Mustafer. A couple other offensive linemen, still free agents. Offensive guard Tommy Kramer missed all last season with the Detroit Lions due to injury. Offensive guard Alex Bars. And former Houston Texans starting center was picked up by Washington last year. Started a couple of games. Nick Martin. Other former Notre Dame players that are still free agents in the NFL. Boy, this guy played really well for the New York football Giants. Former Irish linebacker Jalen Smith. He's a free agent. Along with defensive end Isaac Rochelle. Defensive back Matthias Farley. Boy, he's had a good run in the NFL. And also three skill position players on the offensive side of the football. Wide receiver Miles Boykin. Running back Tony Jones Jr., and tight end Kyle Rudolph, who wrapped up last year catching passes from Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay. Four. Another offseason storyline involving a former Notre Dame football player in the NFL. We've got defensive tackle Jerry Tillery. He has re-signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Two years, $6.8 million, 5.5 guaranteed. The Chargers did not get what they wanted out of Tillery when they made him a first-round pick. He was cut last year, picked up by the Raiders. And Tillery, in eight games with Vegas, recorded 10 tackles. He sticks with Las Vegas after signing that two-year contract. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another off-season storyline involving a former Notre Dame football player in the NFL, This is another guy I thought played really well last year for the New York Giants. Safety, Julian Love. Kind of an under-the-radar signing. 
He's now a Seattle Seahawk. Love got two years and $12 million from Pete Carroll. Love was the Giants' fourth-round pick in the 2019 draft, became a full-time starter last year, and boy, oh boy, he was busy. 16 starts for Love last year, 124 tackles, a couple of interceptions, and a sack for a giant football team that surprised the National Football League. A lot of it had to do with Daniel Jones, their quarterback, playing much better football, but the defense... Pretty solid as well. Now Julian Love in the Northwest, a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Number two. Another offseason storyline. How about linebacker Drew Tranquil? We know he went through his share of injuries at Notre Dame. Had a good run with the Los Angeles Chargers. He was a fourth-round pick in 2019. Played all four years of his NFL career with the Chargers. But, boy, was he busy last year. 146 tackles for Tranquil, five sacks, and an interception. Tranquil is still in the AFC West, but no longer a Charger. Tranquil has signed a one-year, $5 million contract with the defending world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Good for one of the good guys, Drew Tranquil. Number one. And the number one off-season storyline involving a former Notre Dame football player in the National Football League. How about Mike McGlinchey? His bank account is going to look really good over the next couple of years. McGlinchey, ninth overall pick of the San Francisco 49ers in the 2018 NFL Draft. Starting right tackle for the 49ers a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl. Highly dependable was not brought back by San Francisco. They used, I think, kind of his money to sign an expensive interior defensive lineman. So, a team without many draft picks the next couple of years and a major need along the offensive line picked him up. Mike McGlinchey is now a Denver Bronco. He gets a five-year, $87 million contract and a massive guarantee of $50 million dollars and McGlinchey will be penciled in at right tackle which has been a major problem for Denver for several years and the poor play at right tackle last year did not help the cause of quarterback Russell Wilson who had a rough first year in Denver so the top five storylines involving Notre Dame players number five all those players who are still free agents number four Tillery re-signs with the Raiders Three, Julian Love to the Seahawks. Two, Tranquil moves to Kansas City. And number one, Mike McGlinchey gets five years, $87 million from the Denver Broncos. A little sizzler coming up next, 649 at WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Not a lot of time here to wrap up the program with our Sizzler segment. Maybe a good thing so I don't have to recap my one for three night from last night. The only thing I got right, Japan, Mexico, over eight and a half runs. They finished with 11. Four quick picks for tonight's action. 
One from the NIT, Oregon taking on Wisconsin. Normally, I don't like NIT games, but we're deeper into the tournament. Two Power 5 teams that have moved on in the bracket. Having seen Wisconsin all year, this game is at Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon lead the three against Wisconsin at minus 105. From the World Baseball Classic, I'm 3-0 in the World Baseball Classic, which means I'm probably about to go down the two. But let's put that record on the line with two wagers. USA and Japan gold medal game. I'll go over 10 and a half runs at minus 105. And I'll take USA on the money line at minus 150. And finally, college baseball. I got to back Link Jarrett whenever I can. Florida State on the money line in college baseball against Florida at plus 100. You give me Link Jarrett plus numbers, I am going to take that all day long. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Have a great evening. Back tomorrow at 5 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 